Welcome to the Eyewitness Podcast. I'm your host, Kelly Jo Wilson, and this is the show for women who struggle to accept their worth, but want to embrace their gifts and share their witness for Jesus. We have a great show today about overcoming fear and anxiety when you feel powerless. Our guest is my friend, Christy Bulware. Christy is an author, speaker, and podcaster, but first, a passionate follower of Christ. She's also the wife of a hunky man named Troy and a mom of three beautiful children. With a deep desire to free women and teens from the chains of fear and anxiety, Christy founded and currently leads the not-for-profit Fearless Unite. Through conferences, workshops, retreats, Bible studies, and devotionals, Christy speaks and writes about drastically decreasing the alarming statistics of anxiety in our world. Welcome to the Eyewitness Podcast, Christy. I'm so happy you're here. Kelly, thank you for having me. We have an important conversation to tackle today, don't we? Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. I love, I absolutely love your mission. I love what you're doing. I love that you're reaching out to women and teens about this very pressing issue. I feel like fear, anxiety, all of that wrapped in in one has been so rampant. I mean, especially in the past three years, I would say since the pandemic, um, I feel like it just kind of you know, heighten the awareness, which, you know, as a nurse, I can say that I actually appreciate because I feel like there was such a stigma in the past of anybody kind of struggling and, and, and feeling these different, having these different thoughts and things like that. So I I appreciate the awareness uh, nowadays, but I still feel like it can be so much more robust. And that's why I just absolutely adore what you're doing. You know what? Uh, why don't we just start by why don't you just let us know, just let the listeners know uh, about your journey, kind of about your your background and really, you know, your journey with Jesus through your panic and anxiety disorder um, in the past. Like, what did that what did your journey look like? I grew up a Catholic, and I, I like to tell people that I was a CEO Christian, which is Christmas, Easter only. So that's what <laughs> Yeah, I mean, that was my journey. And I'm sure there's somebody listening on the other side that was like, yeah, I grew up that way too. And so here's the thing. God was important to me, but I didn't need him. I didn't rely on him. It wasn't a, a surrender of any way, shape, or form. So really, because I like to say that I was superwoman. I was kicking butt, taking names, climbing the corporate career ladder, doing really great for myself, had always just kind of gone after success and accolades and titles. I mean, through through my high school career, my college career, that moved into me traveling to New York City to try to make it big on Broadway. It was like I was always chasing after something that left me with nothing, truly. And it wasn't until I was about, you know, 25, 20, this was 2011, where I had my first panic attack on the sunny beaches of Cancun. Mm. And I was just sipping on a fruity drink. And at this time, you know, I was not committed to following Jesus at all. And I was reading a gossip magazine. And then out of nowhere, I just had this like shortness of breath, this impending doom, I had to get up and walk. And I didn't know it at the time, but I experienced my first panic attack. Mm. And then I landed and back in my hometown after I've taken this nice vacation and I open up my email and at this time I was a corporate uh, and corporate sales director and medical sales 
and I and I was a workaholic and my job was like everything to me and I open up my email and I missed 200 emails and I'm like freaking out how am I going to get all this work back done mm. and then the weirdest thing happened I started getting black dots in my eyes and paralysis on the right side of my body and it was it I, I call it paralysis but it was like tingling it was almost like these weird tingling feelings have you ever uh stomped your brakes when somebody cut you off and then all of a sudden you're like <gasps> and you feel like this jolt of adrenaline go through you and it's like this tingly pins and needles feeling well that's the feeling that I had in my body at that time and wow. it's almost like you want to shake it off you're almost like what is the deal what is going on yeah and for it sure. just got worse so I get home and um I'm starting to have these like mini panic attacks and again I don't really know what they are. And I, I've got this like um, urge to just continue to walk. Like I couldn't sit still. My chest felt extremely tight. I was having, you know, GI issues. And this went on for several days. And then it got to the point where I literally had paralysis on the right side of my body. So it was no mm. longer the tingling. It was like no movement, can't feel it. So I call my primary care physician in the middle of the night. And he says, Christy, I I think you're having a stroke. You need to go to the emergency room right now. Well, at that point, Kelly, I mean, anything, any type of peace or anything is just completely gone at this point when you have a doctor telling you, I think you're having a stroke. So, of course, my husband rushes me there and, you know, they do the whole nine yards. They admit me to the hospital and MRI, ca cardiac screening, all the, all the tests you can possibly do. And after, you know, a day, the doctor comes in. It's like, hey, Christy. Um, you're okay. Everything checked out of just, just completely fine. And you know, in that moment, you, you wish they would say something different because you feel like you're dying. I, I yes. literally felt like I was dying. There is no way I'm okay. Like to the point where I wanted to punch him in the face. I'm like, there's no way. Check the test again. This can't be possible. I feel <laughs> like I'm dying. And he just Absolutely. looks at me and he says, Christy, you've got panic and anxiety. And that's what's going on right now. I'm going to write you prescri prescription for Xanax, but sends me home at that point. Mm. And I have to follow up with my primary care physician. It snowballs completely out of control at that point to the point where I'm having back-to-back -back panic attacks and my body is literally having a nervous breakdown. And that's kind of the beginning's journeys, uh, a journey of me learning how to figure out what is fear, what is panic, what is anxiety, and how am I going to overcome it? That is, it's so funny that you said that you wished he would have said something different because in reality, the last thing you want, right, is to for the doctor to say you're having a stroke, okay? But there is a certain comfort when it comes to something that is almost like, you know, him giving you the answer. Like, it's almost like a tangible thing, right? Like, you know how you're feeling and you're feeling, I mean, for days you experienced this. So, and then for him to say like, here's, Here's a prescription for one medication and then you can go home and kind of, oh man, that is, because uh, it, it, it just completely ups, uh, it turns your world upside down. You it know, is that does. how you felt? Like you just had to all of a sudden, you know, what are you going to do now? Like there's no, you know, you're discharged and you got to figure it out now. Yeah. And that's why I'm so passionate about this work because the hopelessness I felt when the doctor just looked at me and God love him. He was doing the best he could. He was doing what he was told to do. And they don't have time to sit down with you and go, Hey, 
how are you really feeling? And do you know that your thoughts matter? And do you know, like, they don't have time to counsel you and teach you and educate you on what fear and anxiety is and what it does to your body and what the medication is going to do to help you. They don't. So they just give you these things and you walk out of there going, wait a minute, what's next? What do I do now? And so that was truly the journey. I mean, the hell that I experienced after I went home from the hospital was was worse before than when I went into the hospital because it got worse and the panic attacks just kept coming and kept coming. And, and I know now that my body was stuck in flight or flight. And because of that, that's what was creating the back-to-back panic attacks. But I didn't know why that was happening to me. So I'm the kind of person that's like, tell me why, and then I'll understand. Teach me what this medicine is going to do to my body. But until you teach me, I'm not going to trust you and I'm not going to take it. So that was another part of my journey is learning what antidepressants do and why they were helpful. And, and in my darkest moments, when I was having back-to-back panic attacks, haven't slept in weeks, hair was falling out of my head, I was losing weight rapidly, I had suicidal thoughts, Kelly. I didn't think I was going to mm. make it out of this. There, it, it, the darkness was so bad that just the kingdom of darkness whispers to me, you're never going to get out of this. This is going to be your life forever. Why don't you just use those guns? My, my husband kept hunting guns in the corner of uh, our bedroom, and they weren't loaded or anything, but it was just this visual representation of what could happen if I went ahead and just did it. Because honestly, the hell that I was going through, the torment, I mean, I don't wish panic and anxiety on anyone. It is straight from the pits of hell. And it is so debilitating and so awful and so scary that I couldn't catch my breath. I would have one, I would have a minute, and then another one would come. I mean, I, I liken it to like a marathon. It was like I would run a marathon, and then all of a sudden I'd be done, and then another one would happen. And it sounds dramatic, but anybody that's listening on the other side that has been through a panic attack, they're going, I know what you mean. I know what that means. Well, imagine having a 100 of them back to back to back for three weeks straight. It was mm. awful. Awful. It sounds, it sounds awful. Um, so what, okay. So for three weeks you're having this, uh, I'm so sorry you had to go through that Christy. Um, and like you said, I mean, it's torment. I mean, it's just utter torment, you know? And like you said, I mean, looking at this visual of a gun, it's, it's in the lies that you're like basically hearing in your, in your mind, you know, like this influence, like as if that's a solution, but really it's just, not at all. It's a complete lie and just attacking you. So what would you say was the moment that you felt um, any kind of like peace or any kind of real solution was coming? Like what what did it take for you, you know, after that time to actually kind of come out of that? Like what stopped it or at least halted it enough for you to say, no, this, I got to get help for this. Like what's going on? Two, what I call mini miracles took place. One was I was in my bathroom and all of a sudden I, now this wasn't a normal occurrence for me. And I realized I just told you all that I was having back-to-back panic attacks. So you're, you, you might think I'm crazy for saying this, but what happened was I was in my bathroom and I heard the still small voice say, reach out to this woman that I had mm. not heard or seen from in about seven years. She was a college roommate of mine. And it was a peaceful voice. It was a reassuring voice. And I knew 
even though I was not a follower of Jesus at that point, I knew it was God. I knew it was God leading me. So I wind up reaching out to this woman and I find out that she had been hospitalized and gone through the exact same thing Mm. that I was going through. And she was three years ahead of me. And she poured wisdom over me. She told me books to read. She told me to take my medication from the doctor. But the most important thing she said to me is, Christy, you will not get through severe panic and anxiety disorder without a real relationship with Jesus Christ. Mm. And that was a moment where I was like, I'll do whatever it takes. Whatever God asked me to do, this is hell. Please get me out of it. And I had a moment of surrender after that where I was down on my knees looking up at a little cross that up until this point was just a symbol. It meant nothing to me. Uh, I look up at this cross and and I'm down on my knees and I say, God, please help me. I surrender. Now, Kelly, I don't know what I'm saying at this point, right? It's desperation. It's like, I surrender. I promise to dedicate my life to you if you will just get me through this. Please, Mm. God, please. And that was my surrender moment. That was my moment of like, okay, God, I'm not in charge. I'm not superwoman. I realized that my superwoman cape was strangling me and I need to lay it at the feet of Jesus. And that was my surrender moment. And then that evening, the coolest thing happened. My husband came in and he prayed over me. Now, here's what's important. My husband and I had never prayed together as a married couple ever. Mm. Again, he felt the same way. He grew up in a much deeper relationship with Jesus than I did. But like, again, we didn't have a problem with God. We just didn't need him until we did. So this moment where he came home and realized I had blankets over the hunting guns and he's like, Hey, what's that all about? I said, Hey, I was tempted to use him and, you know, I fall apart in his arms and he hugs me and he's like, oh my gosh, you know, he realizes like, I can't fix this. I can't fix this. And he got some wise counsel from some good godly men and they're like, you need to pull your wife in and you need to pray over her. And he did. He prayed over me that night and that was the first night in three weeks that I slept. I was able Mm. to keep some food down. And that was kind of where I I remember that was my turning point. That's when hope started to come in. And I realized that I was going to get through this, but I needed to surrender to Jesus first. That is so powerful. And, I, you know, I, thank you so much for, for sharing this with us and being vulnerable because it's so hard, I feel like, especially for somebody like you, you like identified yourself as a workaholic and, and wanting to have this control and like do, you know, just kind of doing your thing and um, for, for having that kind of mentality and wanting to, to figure out the solutions to, to whatever's happening to say, you know, I didn't really need God and I, I didn't have a relationship and to surrender, you know, somebody who's so used to figuring it out on their own and then to really fully lift it up to him is very difficult, very, very difficult. Um, I totally understand that. Um, be, you know, just that's how I am kind of wired as well, you know, especially like being, you know, wife, mom, I feel like we just kind of have that, like, we want everybody to be okay. And it's all very well intended. You know, you just want to take care of everybody and you want to be able to do whatever you can do. Um, but you know, that surrender, giving it up to him, holding your hands up and, and letting go is scary. It's, you know, it may not be as scary as what you're experiencing, but it's still pretty scary because you don't know what the outcome is going to be. You don't know what his will is going to actually show you. 
And um, I think that that's, but it, it's, he, he wants us to take that step. He wants us to let him be strong when we can't, you know, he wants to let us to rely on him fully. I love that your husband prayed over you. That is amazing. And that's beautiful. You know, especially if that's not something you guys really did. That is such a, an amazing picture of, of the two of you really just coming together in your faith and really just kind of giving it all, laying it at Jesus's feet, laying it at God's feet and just saying, you know, we need you. And I think that that's, that's just beautiful. I love that you started to see hope after that. I was going to ask you what, you know, how, how did you fully surrender? Um, and you know, sometimes it also takes, um, you know, your spouse or, or somebody that's close to you to, to, to help with that. So I love that he worked within your husband too. Um, so what happened after that? How did you, so after you were starting to see a little bit of hope and peace and my goodness, I love that God just led you to this woman who has this wisdom for you. Um, do you feel like it was, you know, kind of, you were going good for a little while and then you kind of had a couple setbacks or do you feel like, you know, you, you set yourself up, there was, you know, like, what did that journey look like afterward? Kind of the road to recovery, if you will. The road to recovery was about 18 months. And I say it took me my whole life to get into this mess. I'm so grateful that it was an 18 month recovery process. That was when I actually felt like a normal human being again. I had to go through intense Christian therapy. I did take the medication and I'm so grateful that I did. Uh, after the 18 months, I realized that I was doing well enough that I could start weaning off the medication. So a lot of people ask me, are you still on medication? I'm not, but it's okay if you still are. I think that uh, people need to understand that there's a lot of work that needs to be done. And I, I'm a, I, this is my personal conviction, but I believe that if you're going to take antidepressants, that it needs to be with therapy as well so that you can really get to the root of it. I had a wise primary care physician. So that's part of the, the rest of my journey is after a hospital visit, you have to go follow up with your primary care physician. So I did that. And what was crazy is I was so out of control with panic while I was in his room that I couldn't even sit to get my vitals done. Like that's how anxious I was. And he's asking me all these questions. He's saying, Christy, how's your marriage? How's your children? Is everybody else healthy? Are you, you know, are you having any financial issues? And I'm like, no, doc, no, no, no. My life is great. I'm making tons of money. My husband's amazing. My children are healthy. I have no reason to be panic. And, it, you know, then he's kind of, this is still paper records at this time. And he's thumbing through the papers and he's looking at it and he's like, Okay. How many hours do you work a week? And then I'm like proud, right? I'm like busy's a badge of honor. So I'm like, oh, I'm a workaholic. It's like 80 hours a week, you know, da, 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 da. He's like, hmm, yeah. And then he just says it real point blank. You have severe panic and anxiety disorder, Christy. Mm. And it was like, wait, what? No, not me. Like I'm the girl that's got it all together. Like there's no way I have this. And then he looks at me with so much wisdom. And this is in the book too. I, he, he literally says to me, Christy, I'm going to give you some medication. It's going to help. But if you don't go home and do the work and figure out how you got into this mess and why you're here today, then here's what's going to happen. You're going to keep coming back into my office and I'm going to have to keep upping your prescription until I've upped it to where I can't give you any more help. So I suggest you really go home and do the hard work. And at that point is like lips were moving, but everything from that moment on, I was just, it was a blur. Cause I'm like, 
how did I get here? How did I get here to a severe panic and anxiety disorder? So that was the 18 month journey of going home and understanding what is fear and anxiety? Who is God and why is he important? Why do, why am I so obsessed with the applause of man and the approval of men and success and titles and achievements and money? Like, why does all that stuff matter to me? Why am I chasing after all that stuff? So I had to deconstruct all of that and try to figure out how I got into the mess. So that's why the therapy and the the medication and, and really, you know, diagnosing my soul issues, you know, getting to the deep rooted parts from my childhood and why success was so important to me and why am I trying to prove my worth to the world? Why does that matter? So I had to do a deep dive on all of that for about 18 months. Mm. Wow. I love that your physician was told you that because I feel like it's just so real. You know, it's just real. And you didn't even, even if you don't know what he means, like at that moment, you know, because you're, you're already seeing that it's going to be like a journey. Right. But it's just so true. And I, you know, I mean, being a nurse, trust me, I have seen many, many situations where, you know, we, we try to equip people with whatever you can too. So, but when it comes to panic, anxiety, certain different, you know, certain, um, disorders or things like that. It's, I love that. He's like, I can do this and, but it's just not going to be enough essentially. Like there's going to be that combined. That's why I love that you said too, that, uh, the, the medicine and the therapy too. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think, you know, you did say, uh, in the book, I love that you talk about that moment with the physician in the book too. Um, but you also said something really great about how the medicine and therapy, you know, like God and science essentially can work together. They don't have to be independent for one another. And I feel like sometimes there's a little bit of a stigma, even within a Christian community about, you know, praying yourself out of it. Why can't you, why can't it be just your faith because God absolutely works miracles every day. There is still healing that occurs. There are people who are fully healed from, from horrible things that they've gone through. Um, but then there are other people who aren't. So, um, but I, you know, I absolutely agree with you in the fact that I feel like, you know, God created science. So all of it, like, you know, he is the father of all creation. He created all this together. And I feel like there is a real blessing to be had with a lot of therapies and a lot of different things to help do, help you do that work. Um, why don't you talk a little bit about what you think, uh, is that healthy balance kind of between faith, between your faith and the medication? If someone would have came into me while I was having back-to-back panic attacks, suicidal thoughts, not being able to eat or sleep, and would have walked in and said, here's a Bible, read your Bible, pray more, I would have been so deeply wounded because Mm -hmm. I couldn't. Mm -hmm. I physically could not. I couldn't read my Bible. My brain was so stuck in overdrive that I couldn't even pray. So I think I I want our faith community to hear that prayer and scripture, it's so important. 
and I believe in it 100%. And I believe that if God wanted to, in his sovereignty, come down and erase every single panic attack I was having and heal my out of control body, that he could have done it in a second. I believe our God is that powerful. However, he chose not to do that for me. He chose to walk me through the problem so that I could understand his promises. And that's how my journey went down. And I don't think I would be where I am today. My faith would not be as as, as strong if as if I didn't go through that trial because now my pain is my purpose and I get to turn around and help people overcome fear and anxiety. So I, the faith part of it, there's also a a physical part of it. So we're body, soul, and spirit, right, Kelly? And so the physical part of our bodies matter. And so I literally, the science behind it was because I was overworking and overusing my body for my entire life because I was a workaholic and not dealing with unresolved conflict, having tons of pride in my life, thinking about me, myself, and I, years of that created the actual nervous breakdown that I had. So my body was stuck in fight or flight. So here's what happened on the sunny beaches in Cancun when I was resting, my body goes, huh, this is weird. I've never felt rest before. So it looks at it as a threat and threw my body into overdrive. That was the actual science that was happening in my body right then. Now, I could take some medication to calm all of that down. I can believe for a miracle. I can pray. Or what if I just do all of that together? Because together, that's going to help me find the healing that I need. So the balance. If I sat on a teeter-totter right now, and it was just me on that teeter-totter, and I was trying to jump in up and down and try to enjoy that teeter-totter, you'd be like, hey, Christy, do you want me to join that? Because you're going to have a lot more fun if we teeter-totter together, right? That's what the medication was for me. My medication helped balance out my body so that I could get back to the enjoyment that I needed, the life that I needed, the, the, the mental fortitude to be able to understand what was going on and work on my spiritual life as well. So for that, I'm incredibly grateful. So I just feel like we need to have a more holistic approach to the mental health world. We need to understand that the medication can work. Now, here's where it gets a little tricky and hairy. I also feel like we overprescribe antidepressants as well because we do need to get to the bottom of our crap. Like, really, we do. We need to get to the bottom of what's really happening in our lives. So we can't just go to the doctor, say, throw me an antidepressant, and then put a Band-Aid over what's really going on in our life. That's why I think my doctor was such a godsend because he told me, I'm going to give you this. It's going to help. But if you don't go home and do the work, it's not going to help you anymore. And so that's the thing that we're missing. We're missing that therapy part of it. Like, hey, I'll give you the medicine. It's going to help you. But will you go home? work through your wounds, work through your unforgiveness, work through your bitterness, work through all the things that is creating you to run after achievement and success and accolades. And, and, and those things matter. So go work through that and then you can have complete healing in your life. Oh yeah, absolutely. I, I just, I, I completely, absolutely agree with that. Like it's, you know, it's not the, the over prescribing, you know, which I have absolutely seen like that holistic approach. I think, 
you know, having been worked in a hospital and uh, I used to actually work with transplant patients. So they are on my unit. We pass the most individual medications per patient than any other floor in that hospital, um, even more than the ICUs, believe it or not. I mean, there will be patients getting 30 pills at once and, you know, you're explaining to them and things like that. And it's just kind of the nature of it, right? Like this is, you know, suppressing your immune system. This is going to help you not feel depression. And this is, you know, but being intentional about what you're putting into your body, what is this actually going to do? Um, and the overprescription, I feel like is maybe sometimes people just want an answer too. And I feel like on the other side of that, like medical, you know, health professionals want to give that answer. So I think that, you know, it, it may be a, a little well-intended too, you know, to be able to say like, well, you know, you could, you're saying you're having this, but it, it could be this. So let me try this medication for you. Maybe this will help and da, 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 da. But in reality, there is a balance, mind, body, spirit for sure. And it's about, it's not, there's nothing that's just going to take away the pain completely. And you're not going to have to do any kind of work. There's not anything on the market that does that unless you just are going to be a zombie through life. And it's mm -hmm. not, um, and that's just not in the cards. Even that is going to have its, its repercussions. So yeah, for sure. I think it's, it's very much a combination, you know, the balance and you described it so well, like with the teeter totter, I love that so much because it's just so true. Um, and I feel like, you know, I hope that somebody listening today really, takes that to heart and really, really hears that and feels better because there are so many people I've talked to that just think their life is, has no purpose and really are down on that, on that, you know, depressive cycle. Um, so it makes it really hard for them to want to do the work, but it's also, um, I mean, that's kind of where that balance comes in, you know, maybe getting certain medications to give you a little bit of that boost, to, to make you feel worth it. You know, a lot of women that listen to this podcast really struggle with feeling worthy enough for Jesus, um, to, you know, to be accepted by him. Um, so I, you know, it just is such a dark, dark place that you, it can take you. And, um, I've had a lot of people, you know, get in that place too. And it's, it's, there's nothing, there's no one that knows your heart like God. You know, he's the one that really knows your heart, knows exactly how to meet you in that place. And he does put people in your path. I love that he put that woman in your path that he told you, you know, reach out to her, your husband, your, your physician, um, and all those people to really just help and help along the journey because it's not easy for sure. And I also, I mean, that's one of the reasons I just love that you're here today talking with me because it's, it is absolutely a journey. And the more people that use their pain for their purpose, we can really try to help one another. I think that's the ultimate goal. What is, what would you say is, is one takeaway from your experience that you would want to share with the women listening to this, if there's a woman struggling with the exact same thing that you had gone through, what is that one takeaway that you would give to her to, to help her try to see the light and let her know um, that hope is coming? I think it's so beautiful 
that you minister to women that feel unworthy because I think so much of this stems back to our worthiness. I was chasing after all the wrong things because I wanted to seem worthy in whoever's eyes. And I think so much of fear and anxiety stems from us chasing after something that only God can give us. So I just want to remind the precious woman that's listening on the other side that you are worthy. You are loved. You have purpose. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. God wants to use you. You are anointed. You are cared for. There is something on the other side of the pain that you're going through that someone else needs to be comforted by. Comfort someone with the same comfort that God has given you. You matter. You have value. And that's what I want you to hear today. Mm, that is so beautiful. Thank you so much. I just, uh, it's just so impactful. Um, I usually ask my guests, Christy, I, I am very anxious to hear, um, is there a verse of scripture that really kind of carried you through this? Like, was there one that really impacted you that you would want to share? Um, cause sometimes I feel like, you know, having God's word, having even just one verse can really anchor you in him, you know, and, and remind you because sometimes, you know, especially in fight or flight, you know, our minds going crazy and, and we can't focus. So just having that one verse, um, was there a verse that did that for you or, or even a book, um, that did that for you from the Bible? Yeah. I'm gonna give you a little story before I answer your question. Is that okay with you, Kelly? Sure. <laughs> so I was <laughs> having a medical Good. I was having a medical procedure happen. Not This is recent. I'm talking really recent. So I still have what I call aftershocks. And after so, after a major earthquake, there are little aftershocks that take place. So I had my major earthquake, which was my nervous breakdown. And then every now and then I'll have an aftershock, which is panic and anxiety attack. So just recently, I'm having a medical procedure and I'm having a little panic attack. I go up to my closet to pray and I'm like, Lord, I don't want to be scared so much. Why am I always so scared? Please, Father, talk to me, help me, comfort me, calm me down right now. And in his beautiful, still, small voice, I just hear this daughter, I don't dangle suffering over my children. Mm. And I just thought, wow. And the scripture that rose up in my heart was just, for God did not give you a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and sound mind. And so now I'm able. To, to recognize fear and say, no, God didn't give that. So when I'm freaking out about this medical procedure and what the results may be, and it, it, could it be cancer? And what if it's this? And what if it's this? And I'm, I remember, daughter, God did not, God doesn't dangle suffering over me. That spirit of fear that's coming over me is not from the Lord. So when I feel fear and then in turn don't feel peace, then I can directly understand that that fear is not from the Lord. And so I just say it to myself, for God did not give me a spirit of fear, for God did not give me a spirit of fear, for God did not give me a spirit of fear. And if I'm feeling fear, then I know it's not from Jesus. And I can just kick that fear to the curb and say, no, Father, you've given me love and a sound mind, and that's what I'm gonna walk in. So friends, if you feel fearful right now, if there is something that you are believing and you feel fear, then you have to understand that that's not Jesus. He did not give you that spirit of fear. And, and it's so important to differentiate 
you know, those thoughts that are just berating us and coming in and, and to recognize that they're not from the Lord. And when I'm able to speak that over my fear, my body comes back down. And so, you know, concern moves you to action, but worry stops that action. Anxiety stops that action. So a lot of times God will maybe show me something that I need to be concerned about, and then it moves me to action, and I don't lose my peace during that. There's been times where I've been warned about something, but I feel the peace of God over it, and it doesn't make me anxious or weird or scared. But then there are times where I feel flat out freaky and like I'm losing control with so much anxiety, and then I know, wait, this isn't from God. This is not God. So just remember, anxiety and worry like immobilizes you, but concern moves you to action. And those are the two ways you can kind of know the difference. For God did not give you a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and sound mind. Hmm. Absolutely. Yes. Praise Jesus. <laughs> I get so excited about that. That's such a perfect verse, especially for for what you've gone through. Um, and I love that you differentiated between that because I feel like, you know, fear is meant to be good. It's meant to keep us alert. Like you said, it's meant to move us forward, but fear in that capacity of anxiety and worry and, you know, and then it escalates, it like becomes, it just snowballs into this huge thing is not, that is not meant for good. That's just not, it's meant to keep us, um, from moving forward, you know? Um, yes, I've never heard anybody explain it like that. And I, f I love that because I feel like it's just such a simple way to differentiate. Um, I think, you know, thank you so much for sharing that. So we are almost out of time, but I want to talk about your new book that was just released April 11th, um, Nervous Breakthrough, or I'll let you talk about it. Um, I'm very excited about it. I think it's going to bless so many people. Um, everyone listening today, I hope you go to Chrissy's website, check out this book, please. It is, you know, if you struggle even in the slightest, with anything like this, I feel like it's going to be extremely helpful. There was one quote that I wanted to say from the book, and then I'll let you kind of explain a little bit more um, that I thought was just beautiful. And the quote was, the goal isn't to cultivate a life free of fear. Such a life doesn't exist. It's to learn how to fear less. And I mean, that that in and of itself is just a wonderful, just guidance and direction. I mean, it's just so true because it just, we are going to experience fear. It's inevitable, but you know, how to manage that and how to work through it and to be, you know, fellowship and, and have surround us with people who, who, you know, are kind of on our side and on our journey, want to be on our journey to help too is, is really important. So why don't you go ahead and tell us a little bit about the book? Thank you for that beautiful quote. It's always so neat to hear back, you know, the things that have impacted other people. So that just blessed me tremendously. So thank you so much for that. So the book is called Nervous Breakthrough. It's a play on words of my nervous breakdown. So nervous breakthrough, finding freedom from fear and anxiety in a world that feeds it. It's my journey, Kelly. It's my journey of overcoming severe panic and anxiety disorder. My story is weaved throughout the entire 13 chapters. But what you'll find is there's practical tips, spiritual tips, 
it's not just one way or the other. I understand that we need both. We need practical tips. We need spiritual tips if we're going to get through fear and anxiety. So it's 13 chapters of walking you through my journey with it and how to overcome it. I hope that you will go pick up a copy. And here's the other thing, though. People are like, who'd you write this book for, Christy? I wrote it really for two people. I wrote it for the woman or man. We've actually had lots of men that are reading this book too, which is really cool. But I wrote it for the one that isn't sure if she's having a breakdown, thinks she's headed towards a breakdown, or is already in a breakdown. So there's kind of three women there. But then I also wrote it for the person that doesn't get anxiety, that doesn't understand it, not really sure, but has a lot of people around them that are dealing with it. So you can read this book yourself to get a better understanding of someone you love who's going through severe panic and anxiety disorder. And I think by reading it, you'll learn how to help that person out, how to love that person well. So um, you can get it on Amazon. You can get it at fearlessunite.com, which is the nonprofit that uh, I run. Uh, but yeah, I, I hope that you'll go get a copy and give it to, give it away once you read it. You know, just keep spreading it on so it'll just keep having a ripple effect in our world. Yes, absolutely. Um, I love that you wrote it for people and then you mentioned that too about um, for people who have a loved one that's going through that. I usually describe it like or, or, or try to picture it like this or describe it to people like this. Like when somebody has a broken arm, you can see what's broken because you see the cast, right? When somebody has a something broken in their mind, you can't see it. And because you can't see it, because others just can't see it, it's um, there's like that stigma around it. They can't understand it. They don't know yeah. what's happening exactly. And maybe even that same person doesn't understand it. But, you know, it's very helpful for people who are, uh, you know, have somebody in their their life that struggles with depression, anxiety, any kind of, you know, panic, anything like that to, to really engage in, in resources like this too, because it's, it's scary for them too. They care, they love that person. They don't understand, you know, what's happening. And, you know, I love that you, you wrote it with that person in mind as well. That's so wonderful. So I will absolutely put links to your website and to the book and the show notes. Um, and then you also had just launched a, a podcast as well. Did you want to talk a little bit about the podcast before we go? Absolutely. It's called Fearless Tips and Talks. You can find it wherever you listen to podcasts. And I kind of had this dream of short uh, content and long content. So on Tuesdays, I release a tip that's like three to five minutes long. And then the following week on a Thursday, I'm going to release a talk. And that's where I'm going to interview people that have overcome fear and anxiety and are better off on the other side of it. So you kind of get a little bit of both. You get the quick tips at you, but then also the long form interview talks too. Oh, that's great. That's great. I love it. Fearless tips and talks. I love it. Um, thank you so much, Christy. Honestly, I mean, thank you for, for sharing your story. Thank you for sharing your journey. Um, you know, it's not easy to be vulnerable. I really appreciate you sharing that. And for anyone listening, please, you know, if, if you can pick up Christy's book, share it among people. It's just, it's absolutely wonderful. It's going to help so many people and we hope that it helps you as well. And I just am so grateful for you to be here. Thank you so much, Christy. Kelly, thank you for the work you're doing in the world. I appreciate you. Oh, I appreciate you too. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed today's show. You'll find links to what we discussed in the blog post version of this episode at eyewitnesspodcast.com. 
And our show is brought to you today by the Wilson Shop on Etsy. Beautiful designs and encouraging words can change the world. If you're looking for positive messaging on your favorite apparel, journals, and home decor, visit thewilsonshop.com. If this episode encouraged you, please consider sending it to one friend you think would benefit from what we've discussed. I'm so grateful for this time with you and thank you for listening.